This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about What If, Episode 3. What if the Avengers Initiative failed? What's with the goth kid? Hello. Tricks to God. Hi. S.H.I.E.L.D. is people. People willing to give their lives for something greater than themselves. To save the world from men like you. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. You're listening to the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. And we are talking about episode three of the illustrious, the animated, the illuminating What If on Disney+. And we're talking about episode three, which is, we think, What If the (laughs) Avengers Initiative Failed. Working title. I am one of your hosts, Chris, and I am joined by two illustrious co-hosts. Gentlemen, say who you are and what you think might be the title i'm one of your other hosts derek and i absolutely think the title is what if the avengers initiative failed <laughs> and hello welcome back fellow defenders i am the third and final host john and i would have said at least until the end spoilers by the way um that the avengers don't assemble ever <laughs> in in this universe but maybe the avengers as we know how they were construed don't assemble ever okay that's a, that's big a very long time. <laughs> yeah exactly and you haven't added in the what if at the beginning what if <laughs> in parents in parentheses okay so it's going to be more than likely what if the avengers never failed or what if the avengers never assembled there you go that's what we yes think. yes and uh, we did pretty well on last week's episode. We got pretty close on that. It's uh, the uh, yep. the official title for episode two was "What if T'Challa became a Star Lord?" So we only missed one letter, basically, just missed the A. Yeah, well, the A is a little weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. a, a Star Lord. Like, uh, but like I guess it's the... dealing with the multiverse, so there are potentially. Yeah, multiple yeah. Star-Lords. I just think in the MCU there is just one Star-Lord, and that's Peter Quill. And... The definitive case. Oh, yeah, exactly. The yeah. Star-Lord. It's not like it's a race of people or, <laughs> like... Yeah. yeah, it's a plant, an animal, or a yeah. thing. I'm yeah. sure many other people have questioned that as well. So I'll go and listen to other podcasts after that episode comes out and find out what everybody else thinks and why the A is in there. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about the letter A. We are here to discuss... The episode three. And I really want to get into it. So, without <laughs> further ado, Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what? Sure. Executive producers of this series are Brian Andrews, AC Bradley, and Brad Winterbaum, uh, with Kevin Feige as another executive producer, a head writer for this show, AC Bradley, uh, who also writes this episode along with Matthew Chauncey. Uh, Matthew Chauncey worked with AC Bradley on the Troll Hunters spin-off, Tales of Arcadia. So, uh, two animation uh, stars there uh, two mm-hmm. animation writers working together continuing on with each other uh, once again directed by um, the executive producer Brian Andrews John do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for this world changing episode sure one small choice can change the world Monday a donut shop in California shield director Nick Fury and agent Natasha Romanov are powerless to prevent the death of Tony Stark Romanov is accused of his murder, but slips away from the S.H.I.E.L.D. Strikeforce team led by Brock Rumlow. Tuesday. 
In Mexico, a mysterious hammer has caught the attention of S.H.I.E.L.D. Under the watchful gaze of Clint Barton, the hammer's owner, with amazing hair, comes to retrieve his property as Barton fires his arrow into the heart of Thor, the god of thunder. Clint Barton is held under lock and key for his murder. Hours later, despite around-the-clock supervision, Clint is found dead in his cell. Later that day, Loki arrives from Asgard, backed up by the Warriors 3 and an army of Asgardians. He wants to punish the puny planet for the murder of Thor, but convinced that smaller forces are at play, Nick persuades Loki that they should work together to catch their common enemy. Wednesday. Following Fury's orders, Natasha pays a visit to Dr. Betty Ross and meets Bruce Banner. During an attack from Betty's father, General Thaddeus Ross, Banner is hit by an unexpected shot. Transforming into the Hulk, the misunderstood monster suddenly grows bigger until his body explodes. The Incredible Hulk and Bruce Banner are dead. Another future Avenger removed. That night in a deserted library, Natasha investigates the murders and discovers a connection to Hope Van Dyne, a deceased former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Before she can speak directly to Fury, an unknown assailant emerges from the darkness of the library and murders Natasha Romanov. Thursday. Nick visits Van Dyne's grave, where he's confronted by her father, Hank Pym. Blaming S.H.I.E.L.D. for her death, Hank has been murdering all the potential candidates for the Avengers initiative. But with assistance from Loki, Nick defeats Hank Pym, but the world is left almost defenceless as Loki decides the world needs a new master, himself. But there is a reason for hope as Nick begins to assemble the remaining heroes. Captain Marvel, a defrosting Captain America, and, dare I say it of course, Agent Phil Coulson, mm-hmm. to lead the charge against the tyranny of the trickster god. Excellent. So a more spoiler-filled title for the episode would have been What If Hope Van Dyne Died on a Mission for S.H.I.E.L.D., right? <laughs> so, but or that would have ruined actually, the entire thing. <laughs> or just actually, What If Hope Van Dyne Joined S.H.I.E.L.D.? There you go, yeah. yeah. That's literally, it was, that is more the, what if she joined S.H.I.E.L.D. like her mother? Yeah. Father? Like, that's what it comes down to. But, gentlemen, let's get into our spoiler-filled discussions because, well, pretty much we spoiled it there. But if let's get into the ins and outs of it because mm-hmm. we have three points or three topics that we how we are covering this, and that is essentially what if we had a top three? The first one would be <laughs> what if we had seen this before? Mm-hmm. So where have we seen this before? Yeah, this is a good uh, collection of let's say the lesser liked. Marvel movies. Um, I'd say Iron Man 2 is the one of the three Iron Man movies that most people say is the worst um, of the three. That's the, of the most the three, I, I'll agree to that. Yeah, I'll I'd agree say to that. a lot of people um, when Thor came out would have said it's the worst of the individual movies, of the four individual movies, Thor, Captain America, um, Iron Man, and even Incredible Hulk. Um, and then there's the Incredible Hulk, which uh, lost its star, and its star was replaced after the Incredible Hulk came out. So, uh, so even that of the of all of the 22 Marvel movies, I'd say these are probably on the lower end of uh, of the Marvel fans' uh, choices. But what's most interesting about them is that this all happens in one week. These are this is the lead up to the Avengers Initiative starting up, and it all happens in one week. Um, the real 
reference point for this is actually called in the MCU. It's called Fury's Big Week. And it was actually a prelude comic that was set up um, to tie all of this stuff together, showing what days all of this stuff happened. It's an eight-issue comic book series. Uh, really worth a read if you're a fan of Nick Fury, as I am, um, because it has no. all of these scenes where you have Natasha being involved in going and meeting uh, with Bruce Banner and uh, Betty Ross. Um, you have all of those elements included in that storyline. Uh, so go ahead and check out uh, Fury's Big Week. It's definitely available in Comixology. Uh, it's full. It's a collection. But that's the storyline, effectively, that all of these things took place. All those movies that were going on took place at the same time. And uh, and those are the reference points from the cinematic universe. Yeah. And I guess it also does um, reference Natasha going to recruit Bruce Banner, mm-hmm. who I think is in India at the time, uh, at, at the start of the Avengers. Yeah. Whereas here, that's just transposed into the Incredible Hulk movie and that setting. Kind of. In the comic, she actually arrives just before the attack happens outside. She doesn't get to meet Bruce there, but then meets him afterwards. She follows on to meet him in India. That's the next step okay. right at the yeah. end of the issue. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's actually really well uh, laid out in there and it was a way of getting people all uh, hyped up for the Avengers just before it came out to tie all the all of these movies together really well so yeah, yeah so that's that's the big um, pull yeah. out I suppose from the MCU is, is Fury essentially phase one yeah phase one of the MCU this is essentially these these groups of films and of course there is the sort of connection in with the two Ant-Man movies in terms of having Hank Pym there's the yellow jacket mm-hmm. outfit which we see as well yes, from we do. the first one and, and in, in some respects um in instead of um hope it's janet who dies in the second one um on on a shield mission where they're saving the world from the nuclear missile mm-hmm. uh, so th- there's these elements as well that are kind of threaded through slightly differently yeah. uh, but but ultimately that you know there's components there of the two ant-man movies as well so yeah. uh, again it, you know it's taking it from a uh, a good smorgasbord of old Marvel movies absolutely. here from from the yeah. MCU. Yeah, absolutely. I'll talk about uh, the hope bit in a second as well, and with the with the Hank uh, element of it, because there's a couple of little things that I'm I'm questioning as to how they got to that point as well. Uh, but yes, that's overall that's that's everything that we've seen before uh, yeah. in the previous yep. Marvel movies. So let's move it on to our point number two, uh, which is what if there was a small change? Mm-hmm. What is the premise? What is the 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 ultimate Tricking point for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're led to believe at the beginning of this episode that it is the death of Tony. It is like Tony dying. You're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, that's the big change. And it's not till the end. Exactly. Where we find out who is killing them, what is killing them, and why. And yes, you want to discuss the why, because let's jump into this. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose that's the, that's the difference, uh, in this episode, in episode three of, of what if that's the big difference, isn't it? The other two have begun the episode and you kind of know where the, tri- where the trigger point's going to be. You kind of know exactly what the starting point's going to be. Whereas this, it kind of ends the episode with the trigger point, what it is, yeah. what it is that's happened. It's that Hope Van Dyne has joined Shield, which is one thing that we, uh, had never seen in the movies. Um, she's joined and, has died in a mission, so uh, Hank blames uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. for her death. So that was my kind of question. Um, does this mean that Hank had a better relationship than he did in the movies? Um, Hank, I think we saw him right at the start of Ant-Man. He leaves S.H.I.E.L.D. because they're trying to steal his technology. Um, so he is working on his own, effectively, and then he leaves his own company and, Hank, and, and Hope stays on working in his own company. So does this mean he stayed working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and, uh, and Hope joined because of that better relationship, potentially? Or 
Is it that she actually joined S.H.I.E.L.D. and never went to work with Hank in Pym Industries? Mm -hmm. And then Hank continued to work with uh, Darren Cross uh, on the Yellow Jacket. He then built the Yellow Jacket with Darren, continued there. She died at S.H.I.E.L.D. She was never there. There was never the heist film. So is that the point? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So we know the why in terms of what you've described about Hope Van Dyne dying on a S.H.I.E.L.D. mission. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the fallout of that, we, that is in, in respect to the, like, the personal craziness that we see on the screen of Hank Pym uh, on a complete revenge mission. Yeah. Um, we don't see any of that and why it's it's gotten to that we just see the consequences of it so all all these questions of whether he was working for shield you know they're all kind of it's perfectly valid speculation about maybe how was his uh life different was he sharing the technology with shield he was happy to do that and as you say chris then hope joins maybe working on that in shield and then wants to become a shield agent whilst working there and then you have all this and we don't know then whether janet van dyne is is alive or whether she is still lost in the microverse Mm. and and so the death of hope has compounded it even further because certainly from the first ant-man movie you know that uh, Hank is still mourning in some respect for the the loss of of Janet, and, and certainly it's impacted on Hope. No, you know, yeah. not having her mother around. So yeah. all all these things, kind of that that side of it is is really off screen here. It, it's just the motivation of that death for um for Hank Pym to ultimately go on this revenge mission to. To undermine Shield ultimately yeah. by by killing um the the Avengers and the big Nick Fury project of the of the Avengers initiative. So, yeah. uh, it, it, in that sense, I guess yeah, there's still a lot of unknowns. Um, exactly. but uh, it, it's it's ultimately you know whereas last week was this idea of a heist, we have here this week is it it being. You know, a murder mystery, exactly. effectively. Um, I loved that you have Natasha uh, Romanov sort of effectively being the the Miss Marple of the, the Marvel's <laughs> universe, um, uh, despite being implicated in in that that first death, which is is Tony Stark, mm-hmm. which yeah. was like pretty shocking, actually, as well. Oh yeah. Um, I I don't know. Like it, it, I wasn't expecting him uh, to just suddenly keel over uh, and die. To be honest, I, I, I presumed you know maybe there was a Heinrich maneuver needed um, because a bit of donut had gone down yep. the wrong way or something. But yeah, I was not expecting him to sort of just collapse from the the diner booth. You know, yeah. I think my first reaction after watching that scene was, "Oh, I can't wait till Chris watches this." What do you think, Chris? Yeah. I loved this. I, I was not, I thought that, that sounds terrible. I loved the, just the jaw dropping. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I think that was your, you said, what you, I told you as, as always, I tell you the second I watch it and we have a quick discussion over our text, text threads. And it was like, what did you think? What was your reaction? And I literally just sent multiple gifts of just jaw being dropped to the floor. Uh-huh. And just, I was like, where was this? going mm-hmm. and i that's this whole 
episode for me, which is just this consistent, what? <laughs> like, and my brain, and I suppose this is very much leading into the overall Marvel fans dream of like, oh my God, is it Mephesto? No. It's <laughs> blah, 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 blah. No, it's blah, blah, blah. Like, you think it's everyone until you find out it's Hank Pym and you're like, Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Um, that's and, interesting. And I think because everybody dies in pretty, uh, not inconspicuous ways, but there's, there's, you see almost on screen them dying. You're kind of yeah. trying to work out what could possibly be causing this. Is, is someone just poisoning everything? Is it somebody in S.H.I.E.L.D.? Is this just somebody who's infiltrated like Hydra, uh, who've infiltrated early and they're killing off the Avengers potentially? Is it something like that? You know, well, that's which I thought it. was, which I thought was quite cool. That's it. I even thought, you know, the fact that, um, the Black Widow, um, is, is arrested on suspicion of, of the murder also made sense that she could have been involved yeah. in that. You know, she's one of the Black Widows. She mm-hmm. yep. is an assassin. Is this actually where, um, she is working for, for the Russians still, um, and has infiltrated yep. to be effectively, you know, one of the, the right hand, uh, people of Nick Fury. And it's, yep. it's not Hydra. It's, it's the widows. And mm-hmm. so I thought that was a potentially, uh, interesting kind of spin on it. And of course they played with that by having both, um, Natasha, um, arrested on suspicion of murder, um, and and also with what happens um you know at Thor's hammer with mm. Clint Barton and obviously you've got the association with those two yeah. from from the movies with Hungary and so on and yeah. um, the only thing then really maybe was just that you see the retention of faith in Natasha by by Nick Fury mm. so it does question you so they play with it really nicely because you're going well is that misplaced is it it really kind of Builds a nice little web, dare I say, of of, um, of possibilities um, as 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 the story unfolds, yeah. which I really liked. Yeah, absolutely. And what a, what an iconic uh, moment to pick for for the start of this uh, of this episode as well, where you have uh, Nick repeating his wonderful speech about there's an idea uh, about the Avengers Initiative, and uh, Natasha repeating back to him because he obviously talks about this. A loss as for many, many times. And then they arrive at, uh, the donut shop with, uh, with Tony sitting outside stuffing his face full of donuts after his, uh, after his party. So it's the famous line of Nick going, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to exit the donut. Um, which is, which has been pretty iconic since that movie came out. So, uh, so it's a great one because you're setting it up. You, you, you know it really well because again, it's been around for so long. And then to take that twist of, Hang on a second. Why is Tony dead here? Surely he's just going to stand up. Something, you know, nothing could get him that easily. Yeah. And then to roll into the rest of the episode, I thought was a, was really, really interesting. It, it's weird as well because, um, I think just thinking of, of the, the MCU movie, uh, Iron Man 2, I thought the, <laughs> I thought the big syringe was, effectively to deal with Tony's hangover well. uh, rather than the cure for extremists. Uh, and I just assumed that in, you know, in the Marvel universe, they use a massive syringe to, to do that rather than a, a couple of paracetamol. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, I was, You're actually right. So it wasn't the cure for extremists. Yeah. So what it is, is it's a, a cocktail of meds they give him that takes the edge off that allows him to then go find the the cure and to build the new reactor uh, exactly. that his dad gave him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But not in this universe. 
Not in this. <laughs> so when I saw this, because we do know Marvel zombies are coming, I thought that was this episode. You see <laughs> him drop dead, and I was like, oh my god, like it's that simple? They're mm-hmm. just gonna make it like a cocktail plus extremis equates Marvel zombies. I was like, cool. In my head, just running through like again, the what if. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is how it, oh my god. And it's a little split second kind of questioning. And then it continues. And I suppose for me that it was less Miss Marple and more Jessica <laughs> Fletcher. It was like Cabot Cove. It was just murder she wrote, in this case, she being and Tasha Romanoff. Mm. Um, and it was just this consistent, like, death, death. I was like, where are they going with this? <laughs> and that's the bit I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys about. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it's, it's also do we defend part of that, but it's less that. It's just as the crux part of this, as the change being the death of the Avengers based on this small action, Hope joining S.H.I.E.L.D. and dying equates to all of this death yeah. and Loki taking over. What did you think of that? I absolutely love this. I love the premise of the episode. I think, um, as a again, as a S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, it, this type of story works really well when your three central characters of the episode really are um, Natasha Romanoff, Nick Fury, and, uh, and Agent uh, Coulson. You know, um, seeing all three of them uh, in this episode really does feel like you've got a spy agency in here investigating the deaths of superheroes. And it's all caused by the death of another superhero, uh, which has caused another superhero to go crazy and start killing them all. So, uh, so it, it feels like the kind of um, a really good shield storyline for me. Uh, so I absolutely love this. I thought this was really, really good. Yeah, I, I, um, I have to say I loved crazy Hank Pym. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was just kind of really nice. Just the twitches, the sort of manic eyes that they, they, they animated here. Yeah. Um, and a performance you would see from, from Michael Douglas back in his big eighties heyday. He did a lot of yeah. great. Yeah. It was like fallen down or something like that. You know, it, it really was. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I really liked it as well. I, I felt that, you know, you know, we've talked and, We've mentioned about the idea of the butterfly effect and one small change. And that's it. It's the, it's the consequential sort of build up of that. And in this case, actually, it's, it's the, it's the grating and, and the build up of Hank's rage effectively that causes him to just go on the mission mm-hmm. for revenge. So, I mean, this to me felt, and you know, it's based around grief. Uh, we've seen with WandaVision that whole idea as well. So, I mean, for me, th- this was really, really good. And it, uh, it felt that it, that could be the case where a superhero, um, you know, ha- has felt slighted or aggrieved. I mean, they normally go bonkers. I mean, look at Magneto. Um, so I like <laughs> ultimately, um, you know, you know that when it comes to a, a superhero, if they feel that they've been, um, you know, that, that they've not had their car valeted properly, then you know the consequences are going to be so much bigger because of their egos. Um, apart from Captain America, of course, who is absolutely level yeah. um, and isn't like that in, in the slightest. Yes, he wouldn't turn into a supervillain if his car wasn't valeted. Yes, I get I get that. No, uh, that does sound pretty rational for for the real superhero. But, you, you, you know, I, like, I, I feel like... <laughs> Um, I felt even just normally with Hank Pym, I think this just, I think this 
was really, really nice. And then obviously seeing them all die off, you're like going, what? Because, you know, this is iconic, this mm-hmm. building of the Avengers to assemble uh, and, and to protect New York from the attack by, by Thanos, effectively, and, and Loki. Yeah. Uh, so really liked that. But Chris, what did you think? The, the joys of this discussion. Initially, I had a bit of a problem here. Mm-hmm. Because initially I was like, well, it's not, it's technically two changes. It's the death and her joining a shield. That was the change. Um, so therefore he loses contact with hope and then hope dies and he spirals even further. I was trying to justify that with what we know of Ant-Man 1 and it was essentially, we, it's literally one additional line about the yellow jacket mm-hmm. armor, which is the additional usage there can cause um, or of the of the uncontrolled Hank or, or pin particles, the unstable pin particles can cause paranoia and dement, uh, kind of craziness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an initial element that was in it. That yeah. kind that of when you sense. die, yeah. that's what drives him a bit. Yeah, because he's wearing. I was trying to figure out why he's wearing a yellow jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because I was like, huh. And once you connect that one line, which is yellow jacket can cause an additional mania right you're like oh okay mm-hmm. then yeah. it all starts to fall into place and it was i think it was very much through the discussion with you guys and then just kind of internalizing it a bit more and kind of sitting back and like a a, a bit of time post watching mm. and just going okay now it all starts to the layers all make sense yeah but i can yeah. see people some people just go like flat out going, no, this wouldn't happen. But again, it's what if. Exactly. Well, that, that's it. And actually the, the, the yellow jacket suit may, you know, we don't see Hank in the Ant-Man suit. Maybe in this universe, because of the death of Hope, he never got around to perfecting it and creating it. It was put onto Darren Cross, who just didn't quite make the, the right, ha- uh, pin particle. Um, and I, I think, you know, it, it could be that so that line. There are so many possibilities. I mean, I, I, the only thing I'd say is there's still one change, and that is Hope effectively joined Shield, mm-hmm. yeah. and that increased her risk of death. It happened. It affected Hank, yeah. and there's the ripples that we've mentioned yeah. that um uh, that that kind of sort of go outwards across the universe to change exactly. uh, the 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 events uh, in in this in, in this universe exactly. so um, i i thought yeah it was really good yeah. i also thought it was in in hawkeye's um i i thought that was really nice because that really did feel like he had just let loose the the arrow into thor and when he doesn't have his godly powers. Exactly. So, yes. you know, straight through the heart. Yeah. Um, really important. He, I, say, I say that these movies are much maligned, and that for me usually means they are ones that people don't watch very often. So I, I had completely forgotten that Thor was was perilous when he went to try and pick up the, the hammer. Um, he was He's landed on Earth. He no longer has his godly powers. So being hit by an arrow right through the heart uh, will kill him. And I was kind of going, how is he dead? Yeah. He can't be dead. 
He's the, he's the God of Thunder. He's unworthy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, that, at that point. At that point. Because in the movie, this is where we see him try and pick up the hammer, and he can't pick it up because he's still not worthy. He has to prove his worthiness uh, over the rest of the movie. So that's that's the big moment here that they're taking. But it had been so long since I'd seen the movie, I'd never remembered that actually Hawkeye was a real, real threat to the God of Thunder here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, also, just for, you know, total disclosure, I actually quite liked Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, yeah. You don't need to worry. I right there with you. I recently I talked about my rewatch of the whole mm-hmm. the whole MCU and it's so much better than you remember. Yeah. It's that we're stack ranking them all against what came towards the end mm. years later when they had like building blocks and the the formula down. But as an initial concept, Thor 1 and it was Kenneth Branagh, wasn't yeah, it? Still, yeah. Like, still, you you feel some of that. Yeah, it was the right intro for the character. Yeah. Yes, it is, absolutely. And I would certainly watch it quicker than I'd watch Ragnarok again. I've watched Ragnarok enough now. <laughs> I've seen it twice, so I'm, okay. I'm happy. Okay. You know. you, we know you don't like Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> that has been thoroughly... Uh, the, the, pla- the flag is planted there. Yes, um, definitely. Mm. But I think th- this was really good with... Um, Hawkeye's bolt and the arrow going into Thor's chest. And I I loved then the additional twist because at this stage I was thinking, oh, it's connected with, with Natasha. But then Clint, the, you know, that mysterious uh, death in his cell Mm. with two guards, the, um, you know, what's happened? Has he taken a suicide uh, capsule? Um, you know, so Mm. is it Hydra or is he somehow linked in with the widows? Um, in, in this world. So this was all really good. And I have to say as well, um, I love the send up of Thor and his beautiful body and his soft <laughs> flowing hair, hair. Yep. Yeah. the smell of lavender, even in death. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really, really yeah. nicely done by yeah. Coulson yeah. Uh, in this and from one, Clint as well. Absolutely. If there's one person that can deliver lines like that, it is Clark Gregg. He's just yeah. fantastic Definitely. delivering that, that sense of humor uh, from Coulson. Two quick points. One, um, the animation is still just fantastic. It works really well, doesn't it? It yeah. really yeah. does. Yeah. And the, we, we've talked it, we're, we're zooming in and we're, we're pinpointing the Hawkeye kind of section here. The death of Thor mm-hmm. with the lightning cracking in the background and the silhouettes. I yeah. was, and the, even the fight scene, I was like, that is some of the, 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 we've just come out of the Bad Batch. We've watched Invincible. We've, we've done a, a number of animated. I just watched, uh, Evangelion 3. Uh, 3.0.1 plus one thrice, like. I don't know what that means time. either, Defenders. I'm sorry. No way. It's an anime. Okay. I just finished watching it and that is beautiful. I, this is just on a different, it's a different style, but yeah. the way that they animated this is, I would very, I would put it up there with, I think this would at least be a contender for top three an- Emmy animated, uh, that they could probably get at least one or two wins for an enemy, uh, Emmy next year with this. I love the certainty in your projection. Yeah. Top three. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They'll win something. They will because they've got. I think it's the animation. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, they've got they've got the money. Um, well, if if Disney aren't going to win it for Bad Batch, they're going to win it for for uh, for this show. Free definitely. parties. Sure, uh, the, sure. the Bad Batch is certainly my favorite animation of of the year. I think it's been it's such a great show from yeah. a week to week basis. This style, I think, works really well for the stories they're trying to tell here, which is yeah. we're trying to really match it into what the movie looks like. They're not really trying to make it look drastically different they're not doing line drawings they're not doing uh, a 3d animation in in the same way as bad batch was this is trying to feel like the movies as opposed to uh, something massively different from that i think and it is it is fantastic absolutely so the second point i really want to just quickly jump into is the actual the voice acting again and the delivery there's only like each episode there's only one or two lines where i'm like oh that wasn't the best mm-hmm. but they seem to like Clark Gregg just got it down he's great and yeah. even I'm surprised Samuel L. Jackson how are you who, surprised about Samuel L. Jackson you could t- give him the phone very, book and he will deliver it amazingly but he's a very emotive yeah. that's the thing he's he's an emotive actor so how they managed to pull that performance from it basically probably him sitting in a closet <laughs> with a, a road or Yeti mic. That's the question. Maybe. And like, it's just going to be like, all right, imagine you're in a room with snakes and go. <laughs> I think with a modern actor, someone like Samuel L. Jackson's worked in so many movies, he's done additional dialogue recording, which is where they come back and record their lines again to fit in with the final version of the movie. They may change little things to match up with, with how it's done. So they've, some of those actors have done a lot more work that could be like voice acting yeah. than some of the younger actors, I suppose uh, you'd say. But I do think he delivers his lines really well here. He knows exactly what character he's playing. He's played Nick Fury, remember, uh, as we measured up over the course of, of our coverage of all the MCU movies, he's now played Nick Fury more than any other actor in the Marvel Universe has played their characters. So he's now one-upped on uh, on um, Robert Downey Jr. now. Uh, he's gone, yeah. He went just above him, and he's he's coming back again for the Marvels, playing Nick Fury again. So he is the one that knows his character best, I think. And he's done so many different appearances of this character over the years as well. It's great to have him back doing it on the TV show. Not everybody returns, uh, of course, as we mentioned before, and everybody's returning to to do their roles in in uh, in these episodes here. The actress who plays Natasha Romanoff doesn't sound anything like Scarlett Johansson. She, yeah. she is trying. There are some moments where you get that kind of breathy voice that you get from Scarlett Johansson. She is trying. Uh, the actress that plays Betty Ross is certainly doing a Liv Tyler impression, yeah. although it is not Liv Tyler. There is no it's doubt about that. It's more of a that. Steve Tyler impression. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but I thought that was quite interesting because, again, being that they recast the actor who played uh, Hulk or Bruce Banner back in uh, in – uh, the original Incredible Hulk used to be Ed Norton. Now Mark Ruffalo takes over the role in here. It was interesting that they didn't just throw the Liv Tyler performance out the window. They brought a person to at least do the voice of Liv Tyler as Betty Ross in, in those scenes. I thought that was just quite interesting because they could have gone any way. You've already recast Ed Norton and his voice is being done by a different actor. You don't really need to <laughs> reference the fact that Liv Tyler was in the movie, do you? No, they don't. I was actually thinking at one point they may even like make him look slight, like a mix between Mark Ruffalo and Ed Norton, um, just because it's that scene and they could you could literally say, yeah, the gamma radiation is slowly changing him to make him look like Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> like, a, like a Doctor Who explanation or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's wibbly wobbly tiny whiny <laughs> university whiny. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, it's also. Here, then we come to Wednesday, and it's our third big death here with the death of Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And 
actually, I found this hilarious because I thought it was the most kind of cartoony with oh, yeah. the fact that he, he kind of turned into a space hopper Hulk um, <laughs> for, for that moment. But I love the fact that there is that call out, you know, um, from the army that's assembled to capture Banner uh, and the Hulk. And, you know, you know, you get the reaction from Natasha where you, you hear the gunshot go before there's been any order um from from Ross yeah. and you know he's asking who's who's just fired um and so on and then you get the creation of the hulk from it um with the with the anger i thought that was really kind of uh, nicely done but then as he inflated like the michelin man then it mm-hmm. was kind of okay that's hilarious um and basically exploded and um, kind of I guess he had eaten too much pizza whilst he was doing the <laughs> delivery. Um, but uh, the other big important thing here then, and this is where it begins to change from suspecting Natasha or or even, you know, Clint in that sense or some kind of net, other network is the idea that uh, Tony was killed or it looked like from a, a ballistic projectile mm-hmm. from from the the syringe and not the concoction yeah. uh, within it and so uh, this is when things become to um get a little smaller i guess in, in terms of uh, what it builds to yeah. um and who who is doing these killings so th- this was really nice I, I also liked how they did get the university setting um like really spot on to the incredible hulk yeah. as well oh, yeah. yeah i thought that was pretty cool yeah it looked really close I, I i totally agree with you with the death of of hulk it's one of those ones as the episode's going on you're going oh no they're gonna kill hulk how are they gonna kill hulk and then when you see it on screen it's like oh dear okay he's just exploded <laughs> and he's just left uh left with the legs uh standing up and that's it but i loved the other one so this the only this is the only time that the murder mystery part of it didn't work for me um is just seeing that because it looks so silly. But once you see it from the other side with Hank going inside, yes. effectively uh, punching his heart or attacking his heart from internally, I thought that worked really well. Yeah, I thought the the animation for that and the way that the way that played out worked really well. But you're you're t- I, I think you're totally right. The uh, the death of the Hulk was a little bit of a, a laugh out loud moment. Yeah, it's an excellent man. <laughs> well, like- we did say the comedy was really good in this. There you go. This yeah, episode, exactly. um, but yeah, it, but it felt a little. It, it felt a little bit disjointed, a little yeah. bit off kilter compared to, you know, the arrow through the heart of the God of Thunder mm-hmm. or, um, I, I guess the, 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 the ever so dramatic Tony esque Stark, um, death or, you know, falling yeah. uh, in, in the donut diner. So uh, it, it just, it felt a little bit off kilter. And, and certainly when then you see then the fourth murder of Natasha in the library. Mm. And this I really like because, you know, this was effectively, um, the investigator, the, whether it's the Miss Marple, the Jessica Fletcher or the Hetty Wainthrop, um, you know, effe- Ooh, effectively, yeah. um, it is, you know, logging in to the shield system using Colson's, uh, uh, login yeah. and suddenly gets the revelation of, um, that Hope Van Dyne, even though she's died, has logged on to the shield system. And, mm. um, and that's when you get the really nice, again, another real dramatic one of the darkness of the library, 
asking who's there and you know the 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 perspective from the assailant towards um towards natasha uh, and the fighting I, and that was you know real classic kind of feel to it and i yeah. really liked that but I ultimately love, yeah. the death of natasha romanoff yeah. i kind of love that she gets the death off screen i think that makes uh, makes yeah. total sense for natasha it's it's the kind of staring down your enemy uh, and that's the that's the way we see her go basically we don't see how she's murdered or any anything like that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. But she does I, get a message off to to Nick, of uh, at least to his voicemail as well. Yeah, it's course. all about hope. I will have to protest on behalf of one of the most famous Shield agents, who is an investigator. She's a spy, a super spy. How have you? Uh, that she has been categorized as three of the uh, worst TV daytime uh, investigators of the eighties. So I'd say she's more like Sherlock or. Uh, more like James Bond than uh, Hetty Wainthrop. <laughs> I was going to go Jonathan Creek. Well, I was trying because, to think of yeah. female investigators and detectives, you see. She's better yeah. than that. She's she's a James Bond. Miss Marple <laughs> could do, you know, a few sort of tucked rolls with yeah. her knitting needles, yeah. you know, deadly <laughs> weapons. All right. Oh, brilliant. Um... I, I enjoyed all these aspects. I, I'm not gonna like it was just the 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 black and white or the the silhouette again the silhouette of death of Natasha. Um, but the one part I was was it's all about hope. It's all about hope. I'm like yeah. That's where everything started to click yeah. for me because she said oh she's supposed to be dead. She said she and then I was like all oh, right. It's hope and die. Well, well done, Chris, because when we watched it the first time, I had to rewind it because I, I just kept seeing uh, it's all about home. And I thought it was somebody coming from Russia uh, who was killing <laughs> all of the adventures. I thought it was going to go. tie into okay. Black Widow, which I know only came out three or four weeks ago in the cinema. So so it couldn't possibly have tied uh, what if into, uh, into Black Widow because the story wasn't there two years ago when this episode was written. Um, but I was kind of going, oh, wow, they've, they've done something here that's tying in with the Black Widow movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was all about hope when I went back and, and put the uh, put the subtitles on. <laughs> but speaking of additional tie-ins, we do get the Asgardian army storming Midgard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, back in uh, the, the, uh, the, with the Destroyer, with Loki at its head and Sif and the three, um, basically in fold behind. And we get this fun aspect where Loki's out for blood and we get to see Samuel Jackson. We see, we see Nick Fury give his best. I don't even know what type of oppression, but he, he, he does his kind of deflect. And then we see him and Coulson kind of sit down and ruminate what they can be done. And he goes and makes the deal. Um, this was fun. This, this was, this was an interesting bit for me. And I, I like that the, where it goes from mm-hmm. to the, 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 the graveyard scene, I suppose, unless you guys want to talk more about the army. In the graveyard scene, this was the, the best fun for me because this is where we see Samuel Jackson doing Tom Hiddleston as Loki as Nick Fury. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wrap your head around that one. Uh, there you go. Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? I love, I love that they've that 
Nick has made this uh, deal with the Destroyer to deal with his boss, uh, Loki, so that they can take down the murderer of Thor, you know. Uh, I thought that was really good, saving the world again, uh, as Nick Fury often does, uh, which, I, which I thought was just it's just a really ingenious way of doing it. And then uh, we get the little bit of a Scooby-Doo moment at the end uh, where Hank reveals himself and, uh, and reveals all of his plot and plans and what he was doing. So uh, it works really well in animation when we have that, uh, where we have the final reveal of exactly what happened. Uh, let's take a look back at all the things that happened happened so far and here's what happened here's exactly what happened yeah. in, in the real world and how each of these avengers was murdered or future avengers was murdered so that was really cool i really liked hank's um surprise at nick fury's sort of acrobatic move at the uh-huh. start where he you know does the sort of cartwheel aerial cartwheel mm-hmm. over him and um, i thought yeah. that was <laughs> i thought that was really good yeah i, I love this um because it just felt nick fury this idea of you know um, espionage, master of disguise, mm-hmm. or almost, yeah. um, you know, changing skins. And then obviously Loki coming in, uh, doing his trickster moves as well. Um, I thought was really, really, really cool. Absolutely. Um, and as I said before, uh, Hank Pym looking crazy and angry was actually a good look for him. <laughs> <laughs> but great that Michael Douglas came back to do the role as well. It's yeah, really, really cool that he was, was going to play the part uh, completely differently than he's played it before. I thought that was cool. The reason I didn't want to talk about the army that came along with Loki uh, earlier on, Chris, when you asked, is because that does lead us into our final point. Uh, what if the universe has changed forever? So the big change to the universe here is that Loki comes down to avenge his brother, not being sent there as the envoy for Thanos. So he's now on Earth. And he's going to take it over. He's <laughs> going to get yeah. there. He goes, do you know what? I kind of like it here. Maybe I'll stay. And then does and takes over the world. <laughs> he does, doesn't um, he? It's yeah. like, it's, it's the annoying relative that extends their visit. Mm. Um, this time <laughs> he's just done it to Midgard. I, yeah. Mm. This was, this was a nice little, um, kind of twist on him. Yeah. Um, looking to, uh, capture and, take over earth uh, from the first uh, from the avengers yeah. movie uh, as well and this time it's him and only him um, there's no suggestion of Thanos sort yeah. of being the puppeteer in the background. Um, this this is him. Um, and I thought that was really cool. I like it, yeah. That kind of contradicts what we heard in the Loki TV show, though, about Loki, because uh, we yeah. heard that he wasn't a real a villain. He was just putting it on to try and scare people Uh before Thanos arrived. He wasn't really a villain, but here, uh, yeah, he's, he's here to take over Earth because it seems quite easy, apparently. <laughs> well, and as well, the speech that he gives kind of to the the press or in, at the UN, yeah. um, the one where he says, you were made to be ruled, is the same speech that he gives in, I think it's Austria, isn't it, from the Avengers movie, yeah. where he, yeah. he's saying uh, about, you know, you're, you're but sort of, you know, uh, insects under my boots you were meant to be ruled and all this so uh, that's kind of a nice little thread through uh, as well here Mm -hmm. i loved it i loved it It was a funny change Uh, it was not what i was expecting as an ending yeah but what it leads to is even better but i wish i had five more minutes Mm -hmm. what it leads to is the formation of a different set of avengers yes theoretically yes we do see nick fury um, essentially pulling out the, the famous or infamous beeper now. Mm-hmm. And then going to find Captain America. Yes. Uh, as well, who is still on ice at this point. Yes. So the, uh, the reason I mentioned, uh, Fury's Big Week, the comic book series, is because there had been rumors at the beginning of that, of that series. There's, there's a conversation between Colson and Fury about the rumors that potentially Captain America is on ice. 
uh, in Antarctica. They come back, go through all of these meetings and all, all of this, uh, this through line between Iron Man 2, Thor and the Incredible Hulk. And right at the end of that series of comic books is when they go back to Antarctica and find Captain America there. So it actually, again, it's the bookend of, of that. Fury's big week is that they find Captain America at the end of it. So, yeah. uh, so that's the timeline effectively. So, uh, that scene, as we remember from Captain America First Avenger, where he arrives in New York, that scene takes place after all of those other movies effectively. So the Avengers are now the captains? Captain Marvel and, uh, and Captain America. At, well, at least. Yes, exactly. They're the, they're the start of it. And remember, the other piece of information that we learned from uh, the Captain Marvel movie was that that's where he came up with the idea of the Avengers and, and giving them that title. Tony was never actually recruited for the Avengers. He was a consultant um, yeah. because he wasn't, uh, what was the word? He wasn't um, stable enough yeah. to be brought on board as a member of the yeah, Avengers. He had too big so, a, uh, an ego. Yes. Thanks for yeah. him, so. um, I... I love this. I wished we just had it got like a, a split second longer where we would have seen who else. Mm. Because I just want to see like the, the who are the, the other B members or the backup of the Avengers and mm-hmm. um, the secret Avengers, if you will. Yeah, potentially. Um, could have been going off that, to Hell's Kitchen to pick up a few, uh, a few well, members of the true. Defenders. <laughs> that, or, that's or true. He, Black Panther. He, he's going out to Wakanda. Uh, he's because we, we know they, there's been that. Like, just. Tapping into some of the other MCU heroes, questions, villains, like just to to see what it just would have been nice to yeah. see that setup. I Absolutely. Absolutely. I also just like speaking about it. I'm just thinking, given with the defenders, um, then wouldn't it have been interesting to have seen the formation of the defenders instead of the Avengers because yep. um they were all taken out. Uh, but I, I like the kind of you know. Going to the, the other heroes that Fury had on his, on his list, like Captain Marvel and with, with Captain America, you know, having to sort of improvise effectively. And, yep. yeah. um, but, uh, it could have been quite good to, to have gotten the defenders there, but maybe, well, the Hulk's dead. So actually, yeah, that wouldn't have worked either. Which Hulk, stra- Hulk, is strange dead. by this point is strange. Strange. Strange is, is just. Is he Doctor Strange still? Or is he's he... still Doctor. Yeah, so he's uh, not. He's he still, doesn't he's still exist. a practicing surgeon. Uh, but it yeah. is what if ultimately. Yeah. So um, I, I guess everything that happens could have changed um, for the formation of the Defenders. Yeah, all it yeah. takes is what if Doctor Strange had gone to uh, to Camertage uh, a couple of years earlier? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. But you could have the Ancient One coming in as a member of the Avengers. Uh, yeah. Black Panther T'Chaka is out there, so he could be, yeah. uh, he could be in, in the Avengers. Loads of, loads of different options there. And one thing we should definitely note, uh, not every episode follows on from others, as we've talked about before, but some episodes will lead on to other storylines in the future of the What If series. So we could see that in the future could be what if Loki took over Earth and then we have the follow up to this episode and it's a new version of the Avengers taking on Loki. That could be a way of spinning this out. But one thing to definitely say, this is a different universe than the one we saw with Peggy Carter coming through as Captain Carter into the future, because in that one, there is no uh, Captain America on ice, of course. So this one is a different uh, timeline again. Yeah, exactly. The only bit that we do know is there is a follow up and this is from the trailer. There is a Peggy Carter meeting Dr. Strange moment. And it's just not even Peggy Carter. It's Captain Carter meeting Doctor Strange. And they've shown that, which I think is weird. They shouldn't have. I think that would have been a nice surprise. But that's how we do know that there will be some additional crossovers. 
Interesting. Um, Interesting. So that is in the trailers, and that is everyone is now using that as it's all connected. <laughs> I think some will be connected. Yeah, and I think I think if there's anybody that's going to travel across the multiverse, it's going to be Doctor Strange, of course, right? So he he could fall through all of these multiverses uh, at some point towards the end of the series. But we also know that uh, that Heli Atwell is coming back as Captain Carter in season two, uh, which has also been confirmed. So uh, so we will see that character in the future. Uh, but it would be interesting to see the follow up once again. Let though, let's say three episodes into this show, once. Again, Again, we've said at the end of the show we want we wanted to see more. We just wanted yeah. five more minutes or five more hours or twenty more episodes of this storyline, yeah. yeah. which is exactly the uh, the thing you want to accomplish with uh, with what if. Um, so, but an interesting massive change for this universe. Loads of things have changed. All of the Avengers gone. Loki taking over Earth. Yeah. Therefore, no arrival of Thanos uh, coming to Earth. Uh, he may just be going up against Loki uh, to take over the planet in the future, perhaps. But uh, loads of changes. And that's what I want. Like, give us season two. Give us a, a season 1.5 where it's a comic book uh, continuation of the, looking at the, some of these universes. Maybe. That's, would be beautiful. But gentlemen, um, as we start to wrap up, is there anything you would like to say from your newts section? Oh, I have one big bugbear with this episode, uh, which is Nick Fury's conversation with Agent Phil Coulson. Uh, before he goes off to find Avengers, played beautifully by Clark Gregg, because you, any Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan knows exactly why he was playing uh, playing the line the way he was playing it. Nick Fury says, there are more Avengers out there. Clark Gregg's voice uplifts and he goes, oh really? As in, do you mean me, like you told me in uh, the <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, that I am an Avenger? And he goes, yes, like Captain Marvel and Captain America, and walks away from Agent Phil Coulson, the Avenger. Because Agent Phil Coulson doesn't sacrifice himself in this universe, uh, so he doesn't earn the tier of Avengers, unfortunately. So uh, that's my only problem, the diss of Phil Coulson, the Avengers. Oh, uh, right, okay. Yeah, I understand that, definitely. Um, the only note I've got from the episode is um, I noticed much more occurrence just in the background of the Watcher, sort of in mm-hmm. the background of, yeah. of the like the desert scenes, just in the sky, uh, just placed the... Um, all the way through this, uh, I thought that was a nice touch just to kind of give that idea that he's watching events, but yeah. also I just wondered whether again, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's making him much closer to the action that's going on in, 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 in this, um, episode and a bit like with the extra narration that you got in, in the, in episode two mm-hmm. and just bringing him closer to this action so that, you know, I'm assuming when, but I guess also if he, you know, there is a, a significant part for him to play beyond the narration and the watching, um, uh, then and listening and defending, dare I say it, then, um, he, you know, that he's, he's, he's had that increased presence in the episodes yeah. as well. Um, so I thought that was quite a nice touch yeah. though. Absolutely, absolutely. Watching, listening, and then eventually might defend if he wants to step in in the future. <laughs> uh, I kind of took it that this is a very big week uh, to watch, so he's probably watched this one over and over again, like we all did with uh, with the MCU movies. Yeah. <laughs> he's got his popcorn. Yeah. He's like, I've got yeah. to watch this one. It's like, you won't believe what happens next. <laughs> to the other um, so one last note for me before we uh, before uh, we go on, Chris, if you don't mind. Um, of course. I think we're kind of going through the chronology of when these movies took place in the Marvel Universe. Episode one um, is set in 1940 for the most part, sorry, 1945 uh, for the most part. Um, episode two starts in 1988 um, when Peter Quill is picked up uh, from Earth. That's changed with 
uh, T'Challa being picked up from Earth in 1988, and then these movies all taking place just before the Avengers. I'm trying to think what would come next. So we have, we should have the Avengers as the movie next, but what comes next in the chronology of these movies now? Um, so I'm really intrigued to see what we have in episode four uh, of this show. What's, what, what's next in the major chronology? You're going now into the next part after Avengers one. I think it is the Avengers. I think it is literally what if the Avengers lost the Battle of New York? Maybe, maybe. That could, or something along those lines. Yeah. Or after that then is... Uh, after that, chron- chronologically, what? Would uh, be Iron Man 3? Yeah, well, I was also wondering about a Winter Soldier what if, potentially, mm. as well. Oh, by the way, sorry. Just caught myself with a a, a, con- uh, a correction. It's not extremis that's causing Iron Man to be sick. It's the the poisoning of the it's the metal poisoning in this that's Iron Man two. Extremis is episode three. It says Iron Man three. This is the poisoning from the the metal reactor, shards, the yeah. metal shard in the go. reactor that he's using to the metal he's using to power the reactor. And when he gets his dad to build the unobtainium through whatever. That's what happens in Iron Man 2. So, correcting ourselves before the episode's even over. Very good. Boom. Uh, Gentlemen, with that, let's move on to our defense. Jonas, do you defend this episode of What If? Yeah, I really do. I I, I loved it. I love just sort of all the Avengers um, sort of toppling one by one, to be honest. Um, I, I guess... I guess... Thanos would have been looking on with glee if only he had, um, I guess not become a, a nice guy at the hands of, um, of, uh, Black Panther Star-Lord. Um, so I, I really, I really liked, um, just playing through this. I loved the kind of more off-screen, and um, murder investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I give this four and a half, uh, lavender infused rotting corpses out of, uh, out of five. Wow. Um, I, I, I love, yeah, the murder mystery, the involvement of Natasha. I, I think I, my just, my brain was going, uh, into overdrive, the different kind of theories of this episode, uh, that it, it was Natasha as a widow. Clint was involved. And then that kind of gradually being unpicked. And then, um, you know, that, that, that great little, um, it's, it's, it's all about hope and to, to Fury's voicemail and just the, the reveal of this kind of off screen, um, change that's happened and how it's affected Hank Pym and yeah. giving a fairly deranged feel, um, by, by Mike, Michael Douglas, which I, I thought was really good. Yeah. Um, the time with Loki, it just, it just was an, it encapsulated so much so quickly. Mm-hmm. And I really, really liked it. Um, and I think, uh, at, at the, at the head of it is, is Nick Fury. And I, I love the insertion of, of Coulson as well. Absolutely. Um, such a great character. So it was great that he had his moment, um, in, in this series as well. And he is uh, an Avenger, damn it. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> uh, no argument, uh, from, from me on that one. Um, yeah, so loved it. Um, Derek, what did you think of this episode? Do you defend this episode? Yeah, I absolutely love this episode. This is, this is perfect, perfect built for me. Um, really enjoyed it. Very, very shield centric, as I said, Nick Fury focused, uh, 
Adrian Kilson focused and, and Natasha Romanoff focused. So, uh, so really good for me. Uh, some fantastic changes to the, to the universe, uh, to see in here. You know, we mentioned the first episode being one small change and things played out quite similarly. Second episode, some crazy things went on in the galaxy. And now we have quite significant things going on yeah. in the world from, uh, from one, uh, from one change. Someone uh, taking a job, a different job, uh, effectively going and working in Shield, uh, led to all of this. So, uh, so I thought this was a fascinating, uh, idea. Uh, that they've that they've come up with, and to play it out this way, being a murder mystery where you don't find out what the what what the real what if is until the end of the episode, I think worked fantastically. Yeah, yeah. How about yourself, Chris? Yeah, no, I completely agree. This um, initially, I was slightly less enthused by it, and it was on my first view because I was just the, it's the Ant Man, the Ant Man what if, right? I should say the 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 Hope Van Dyne what if element. I was like, really, that's that tiny pebble. That's the pebble you're going for. Mm-hmm. As I said, as we discussed this, is through chatting with you guys and through the overall kind of dissection and the, the next steps of it and looking at the, like the yellow jacket and all these little tiny additional pieces, it really does start to make sense. And it really does become this amazingly well-written, well-directed piece of standalone storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, that I wish yeah. I could get more of. That, like, I do. So far, every episode of this, I'm like, I want to know more. Exactly. I, just, I, I, like, give me more what of if in this universe. Like, mm-hmm. tell me what happens next. And that is, is both a credit to the team, a credit to the writers, a credit to the overall animators and everything, but also a discredit to Marvel because I just want to give it to me now. <laughs> like, that's it. Just no. Um, they're just exploring the possibilities they're not completing exactly. all the possibilities Chris that's all it is I thought you were going to say that you just uh, were, in, were in so much shock at the death of Tony Stark you didn't take any of the rest of, uh, of the episode in the first time you watched it oh I just I just turned it off like that was it was <laughs> like, no Tony that's me done right <laughs> what if Tony Stark died is the name of the episode and it's only three minutes long and that's it yeah, everybody would leave <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, the, the cinema's empty basically MCU dies under the, the first this weight of the uh, the first Thor movie Excellent. Who knows? Excellent. Uh, so yes, I completely defend. Guys, just one thing that popped into my head, that, that place where everybody sent to in Loki, where we saw all the Easter eggs that were in there. Do you remember yep. I mentioned there was uh, yeah. there was the helmet of a giant yellow jacket uh, on that planet that we that we uh, saw? Is that a little touch back to what if here with Hank Pym, who is obviously an Ant-Man and possibly could turn into Giant-Man, uh, and yellow jacket? Is that possibly his helmet from this timeline? <laughs> Maybe. There you go. If they're doing that now, that's crazy. There that's like yeah. foreshadowing on a different level. We're going to say they are. They yes, probably were. Yes, we are. No, they, they probably are. were, but I think let's just say they were. But let's head on over to the pub, gentlemen, because I've got a hankering for some quiz. Mm-hmm. Yes, fellow defenders, fellow pub quizzers, uh, pull up a donut and sit yourself down for this question from episode three of What If? Mm-hmm. So the question is. What is Agent Coulson's shield login password used by Natasha Romanoff? I absolutely loved the scene. I love the password. Um, please don't try and access my computer from now on. Uh, I may be using the same password. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, just to say that again, what is Agent Coulson's shield login password used by Natasha Romanoff? Answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com uh, were... 
you'll be in with a chance to win some What If Funko Pops mm-hmm. uh, from this series. Yeah, just um, make sure you answer all nine questions or as many of them as you possibly can and email them all into us at feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com and we'll pull out a winner at the end of the season. Definitely. Hey, John. What? Chris is gone. I know he has. Shall we cast our minds back to last week's episode? What if T'Challa became a Star-Lord and get some yes. feedback from our awesome defenders? Let's start off in what I think is going to be a really good way uh, from Matt Murdock. He sent us his thoughts on the what if main theme in a voicemail. Excellent stuff. Take it away, Matt. Hey, guys. Matt from Across the Pond here. Really enjoyed the T'Challa episode. Thought it was fabulous. Have to admit, got a little emotional hearing Chadwick Boseman's voice again. Um, that was a little weird for me, but even Josh Brolin was funny in this. I thought it was fantastic. Of course, that's not why I'm here. And I'll try to be as brief as possible. I know you've got lots of great listeners with lots of great feedback coming in, so I'll try to be brief. But I got to thinking about the main theme this week, more so than any kind of tributes to Ludwig that Laura Cartman did this week, even though there were some. But I want to focus on why she got chosen for this particular scoring feat of what if. And you need to look no further than the very beginning theme. As the watcher tells us that he's seeing everything, that main theme is wonderful. And it's very Laura Cartman. It's amazing how she has her own kind of sound. And part of that sound is from the use of what we call the flat five or the sharp four, if you prefer. That's a technical term that nobody needs to know. But what I mean is it's a note that you can't find in any scale. You can't find it in a major scale can't find it in a minor scale it's weird it fits in between two notes it fits in between the fourth and the fifth note that note right there that is the one that makes everything seem weird why because it doesn't fit in the scale for one thing and it needs to resolve to be part of the scale that we're familiar with That's part of the art of creating tension and release in music. And where that occurs in the main theme is kind of the second half of it. It's where uh, the strings and the choir comes in, and I'm going to talk more about the choir in a second, but it's where everything starts doing these staccato bump, bump, bumps like this. Those last few chords feel like they need to resolve. They they feel tense. And that's because this is a weird world. We know what the MCU is supposed to be. Now we're finding out what it could be. But it's also part of Cartman's sound. Think back to the theme Artem in the end of the very first episode of Lovecraft Country. She used the exact same kind of concept. Both of them indicate the sound that Laura Cartman has for getting you into that weird mood. That's the Artem theme from Lovecraft Country, in case you're not familiar with it. The point being is that both the What If and the Artem theme have this tension in it. That's one of Cartman's signature sounds. Throw on top of that 
the timbres that she uses, the kinds of instruments that she uses. In both instances, both at Artem theme and in the main theme here, she uses voices. I told you I'd get to the choir in a second. They're way back in the mix. It's almost impossible to determine what they're even singing, but they're there. And what that does is that gives you a feeling that this is bigger than what you can conceive. It's a great use of timbre. It's Cartman's signature sound. I've gone to nearly four minutes. I'm going to get out of here. Thanks, guys. Bye. No, thank you so much, Matt. And you didn't ever stay. You're welcome. That was really interesting. Uh, really interesting thoughts about uh, about Laura Cartman and her work on uh, on What If. And as we mentioned before, we know her from Lovecraft Country, a show that we uh, both of us covered, both uh, Matt Meredith on his podcast and uh, we covered over here on the, on TV podcast industries as well. So uh, really good to hear your thoughts. I love I love your thoughts about the music for the show. Yeah, that that was really good. Thanks, uh, Matt. Um, certainly, I had no hint that there was choir. Um, mm. or voices in the background um, a- at all. And so I'm going to have to listen to that now um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, I, I, I like the idea that it, maybe it's so low, so imperceptible, uh, unless, um, you know, you're really keen on the hearing that it hints at something being bigger. Um, and, and even with the, you know, the, the note, uh, between the flat and the sharp five and mm. um, that idea that it is is bringing um the the tension that's reminiscent of this weird alternate world and mm-hmm. um, that ultimately needs to be resolved and um, so i wonder if these two things will will come together when we get to the the resolution of what happens here maybe, maybe see something bigger yeah maybe, um, maybe. yeah great stuff thanks uh thanks so much for the voicemail and yeah. feedback matt maybe we'll see an extended theme towards the end of the season but i know you're uh particularly interested in that uh, in the choral side of music being a formal a former choir member yourself from the Halle. Yeah. yes uh certainly yeah. so yeah. uh Shows how good I was that I didn't even know or hear that there was a, a choral element there. But, you were too uh, excited to get into the episode, John. Definitely. Just have to go back and watch that next time. Thanks so much, Matt. Really good to hear from you. And again, really good to hear your thoughts. Uh, on to email. Uh, Jerry sent an email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com saying, hey, guys, this was a great episode. Again, the animation for this episode was stellar. Story was really well done. There was a lot packed into a short period of time. This is Marvel's love letter to Chadwick Boseman. I will not lie, I cried at the dedication to him. He will be missed. Wakanda forever. Jerry in Niceville. Thanks so much, Jerry. Yeah, uh, very emotional seeing uh, Chadwick Boseman in there. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, uh, Jerry. Wakanda forever indeed. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just love the whole setting for T'Challa here. Um, and it, it being voiced by by Chadwick Boseman as, as well, it, yeah. it's just that you know it's that little thing extra with what's happened. Um, mm-hmm. So you know it was a great um, episode for this animation um, and and the What If series for sure. So yeah, yeah. thanks so much, Jerry, uh, for the feedback. We also got another email in through from Coffee and Vodka, um, who emailed us to say, Greetings, spacefaring defenders. Another great episode. T'Challa was the Star-Lord the galaxy needed, instead of Peter Quill's Star-Lord, whom the galaxy deserved. (laughs) It seemed like an amazing two-hour romp condensed to its best bits. Mm -hmm. The single problem is that even... In the What If universe, it never would have happened. Yondu's mission was to save Peter, not deliver or abandon him on Earth, the ego to find. At best, they both would have left with the ship, which would have been 
also a great story. More than likely, however, T'Challa would have been sent back home. Coffee and Vodka quotes Michael Rooker, who said, It was a gig. I was to pick up the kid and bring him to Ego, right? And I decided not to because I found out things about him that I don't really agree with and I don't like. Hence my opinion of him as being a jackass. So I keep the little guy and I like him. He's got spunk. Which comes from uh, the Michael Rooker interview on comicbook.com. Coffee and Vodka finishes. So in my opinion, it just seems unlikely that Yondu would have thought, oh, well, a kid's a kid, right? (laughs) Outside of this, the episode was perfect. Casual Thanos is the best thing ever. (laughs) Four full collector cases out of five. Finally, Spider-Man and Steve Gerber's initial Howard the Duck run were what first got me interested in comics. The latter's highly recommended if looking for an offbeat read. Continued thanks and peace, coffee and vodka. There you go, John. I think that's uh, directed at you. I think it might be. Yes, (laughs) I will um, possibly have a look into Howard the Duck. Will you? I'm always open for it. To be honest, I haven't ever really read... Uh, how the the duck in in the comics so i'm more than happy to give that a read and thanks for the recommendation coffee and vodka mm-hmm. as i say my um approach from howard the duck was the movie and yeah. i just thought i'm never gonna kind of i just wasn't interested as a result of it but interestingly enough um in um strange academy at the moment they've just introduced howard the duck as a pi there to investigate uh the death of one of the students, or at least the shattering of one of the students <laughs> in Toth. So, um, yeah, uh, that was absolutely great. Really good. Um, so I think movie. it's just the movie has scarred yeah. me. Yeah, and, and I think the movie scarred anybody that watched it, whether they knew the character or not, to be honest. It was pretty awful. We may get a, a Howard the Duck movie in the future, but uh, maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll jump into the comics and read that. Uh, interesting thoughts, Coffee and Vodka, on, uh, on Michael Rooker and uh, the, the character of Yondu taking Chala out into the galaxy. I suppose the episode itself had to have that conceit, had to have that concept, because that's what it was all about, was seeing what T'Challa would do in uh, in space. Um, but I, I, I kind of got that image that he didn't realise that T'Challa was on board until they'd left Earth and potentially gone quite a bit out into the galaxy. Um, so that's why he kind of takes it along with him. But that is the conceit of the episode. I think we have to have to give it that, don't we? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. But I also think that, you know, there's a valid point mm-hmm. there that potentially, given that they can jump, that you know, why would John do not go back to get Peter Quill? Yeah. But I, I think you're right. The the conceit is having that kind of pretty fine moment where actually Ego finds Peter Quill himself yeah. mopping the floor uh, in the Dairy Queen. And as the Watcher says, um, possibly this is now the main danger to, the, to this universe exactly. um, rather than... Um, a mad titan called Thanos, who I have to say, uh, coffee and vodka, I do like the, uh, your casual Thanos um, <laughs> in quotes. Uh, I thought that was, uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, really enjoyed casual Thanos as Absolutely. well. So, uh, yeah, big thanks, coffee and vodka, for, for the feedback. Yep, let's head on over to Facebook. Uh, Dan Lee, first up, he says... What If is fast becoming my favourite bit of Marvel content this year. Hilarious episode, and I can't wait to see what's next. Would love to see more Captain Genocide and the new guy. I did tear up a bit at the end, though, with the dedication to Chadwick. Uh, yes, Captain Genocide and the new guy. Uh, it was great fun. Uh, great to see the two of them together. Uh, really good, really good uh, fun moments in the episode. Yeah, the new guy, or the pursuer, um, was Korath. 
was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked um, Korath throughout the whole of this episode, I have to say. so. And again, um, I love that yeah. it's Jam and Hansu that, that played the yeah. role, you know, it, it's that they're able to have a lot of fun with these characters. You know, we, he has played the role twice, played it in, in uh, Captain Marvel and in uh, Garden of the Galaxy. Both reasonably serious versions of the character. So yeah, exactly. Uh, get a bit of fun here in the episode. Yep. Thanks so much, Dan. Uh, also on Facebook, Heather Wallace says, a great episode and I enjoyed every moment. It would always have been a fun story with some lovely themes of family and helping others, but it was made even more poignant by this being one of Chadwick Boseman's last acting roles. Mm-hmm. Yondu telling T'Challa that he fits in everywhere could just as easily have been said of Chadwick. The final dedication made me well up. There was also much to enjoy in this. I adored Femme Fatale Nebula and the heist genre, and I loved that this was a completely different take on Thanos. When he first appeared at the bar, I wondered if the production team are fans of Villain Pub uh, by the How It Should Have Ended crew. That's exactly what I was talking about in the last episode, a, a, a YouTube uh, animated show where they have lots of villains from uh, from Marvel and DC meeting up in the Villain Pub. Yeah, good so stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I thought when I that saw him first. Definitely makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. Heather uh, continues to Chala was taken in 1988 and then the action flashes forward 20 years, making it 2008, the year Iron Man came out. That makes it six years before the MCU Guardians of the Galaxy and eight years before Black Panther. Is that significant or just a coincidence? My only complaint was not seeing Shuri in Wakanda at the end. Does she exist in this universe? Or if it's set a few years earlier than the main universe, is she just too young to be there? Heather. Very good, Heather. Um, we did have a look, uh, and actually Shuri is in the uh, in the scene. You see her uh, right beside her father uh, when T'Challa returns. I think potentially because he was taken so young, uh, they, they don't have the relationship they had in Black Panther, so they haven't had those interactions over the years. Um you do see her again later on uh, being chatted to by Korath as well, uh, but she doesn't have any words, doesn't have any lines in the episode, so not really a big part of the episode. So she is there, which is great, but I just think the relationship, unfortunately, between her and T'Challa uh, will have suffered by him not being around, I suppose. So that's kind of sad to think about because I love their relationship with Black Panther. It was really uh, one of the one of the best parts of Black Panther was Shuri and, and T'Challa together. Um in terms of the time difference, I don't know um, whether this was uh, this was meant to be significant or whether it was just simply easier to say twenty years later rather than twenty six years later on the screen. Um, but potentially, it's just that uh, that this is the big story you want to tell when you're talking about T'Challa. This uh, this particular heist is a is an interesting story to tell, I suppose, because there's a full twenty years of experience story goes around sorting out the universe by talking to everybody and, and talking them down off their ledges. Uh, so yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I I'm, I'm just not entirely sure whether there is uh, any coincidence. I mean, the thing is, there's part of me thinking, well, there must be because in, in a sense, there's so so much stuff about whether. Um, you know, the timing of when this happened, mm. that happened, and just simply because of the all connectedness of Marvel yeah. and whether it makes sense in the timeline. But, um, I, I, I don't know, um, uh, to be honest, if there's a significance, uh, there or whether it is just coincidence. Yeah. Um, I think I'd have to just, um, yeah, I'd have to really think about that because I, I don't even know half the timelines right. on this, to be honest. I mean, other than recognizing that, you know, there's something happening in the 80s mm-hmm. or earlier or, or that. But I, I generally don't place too much significance yeah. on it. I guess unless it really is massively 
integral to the story. Yeah, yeah. And- I think it's just one of those ones that we're we're talking about a time period around the time the MCU is formed, uh, rather than something that's happening with other stuff going on in the galaxy potentially. Yeah, uh, that's probably what it is. Thanks, Heather. Yeah, thanks so much, Heather, for the feedback. Also on Facebook, Joe Steinley says, I haven't laughed and cried so hard at the same time since Endgame. What a truly awesome half hour of TV. Captain Genocide was a legitimate shock and such a welcome surprise. And I love the Cosmo is finally home. What a cliffhanger. Our friend, our inspiration, our hero, Bozeman forever, rest in power. Lovely thoughts, Joe. Uh, yeah, sorry, that was just, you are absolutely right. That is such a cliffhanger of an ending of the yeah. episode. Like, it's entirely possible that we'll see that bit of the episode in a future episode potentially we could yeah, see Peter that could be a go, possibility uh, working together we could see that as a as a kickoff point for a future episode but as you say unfortunately with with Chadwick Boseman gone that story won't continue of uh, of T'Challa in space yeah it's such a shame because it is um such a great uh, episode and yet I completely agree with your sentiments um Joe, uh, thanks so much for for your feedback. Mm -hmm. Another piece of feedback that came in on Facebook, uh, Dr. Bob Phillips says, Oh, this was magnificent. Mm -hmm. T'Challa cannot be anything but the hero, even kidnapped in the space mafia. (laughs) I'd wondered who'd voiced it before realizing it was Chadwick Boseman. And it made it all the more bittersweet thinking Mm -hmm. he had chosen this to spend his time on. Uh, though this is a perfect gem in itself and not a pilot, unlike last week. Mm-hmm. The Collector, though, didn't they have a touch of buff Eddie Izzard about them? <laughs> um, definitely, yes. He he just needed to rock some really high heels, uh, uh, for sure. I, I'm um, sure he did, uh, to be honest, in the, in the episode. <laughs> I wonder whether Eddie Izzard could get his hands on that coat. Though. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and that headdress from Hella. Yeah. Um, I oh, certainly Eddie wouldn't totally mind rocking that, that, but it would be a bit sort of, you know, stabby-stabby if you mm. were trying to do your weekly shopping in the supermarket aisle, yeah. uh, taking out a few of the uh, old deers, I guess, uh, going you, down the fruit and veg aisle. You definitely know, uh, you definitely need to choose the right time to be wearing that headdress, uh, without a doubt. Uh, I don't think Eddie has ever got that buff, even when he was doing that uh, one marathon a day for 30 days that he was doing. So I don't no, think, we'll I don't think so. Uh, him taking on the role. <laughs> but really good thoughts. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, thanks so much, uh, Dr. Bob. Uh, Also on Facebook, Michael Booth says, Another fun episode. I love that it stems from inept henchmen not recognising one human from another. They all look the same indeed. (laughs) The idea of T'Challa talking Thanos out of destroying half the universe was hilarious. And Nebula's new role was great too. Mm -hmm. The fanboy fight in the first scene really set the tone for the rest of the show. T'Challa makes a far more competent Star-Lord than Peter ever did. I love the changes to the Ravagers lineup and that T'Challa convinced the big guy to become part of the team. Much greater universal changes than last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely um the changes here much greater. I think um yeah, you you realize how however much you love Peter Quill as Star-Lord, you realize that you know, he's potentially, uh, it doesn't quite cut the muster of the title. And um, well, like, yeah. even when you, you see him in Infinity Wars sort of with, with Thor and, and having the Absolutely. sort of, I'm more manly than, you know, this god statue that's before me, yeah. um, in, in the shape of Thor. But, um, it's interesting because I, I just wondered if T'Challa was Star Lord then and say, 
Thanos hadn't been sort of talked out of destroying half the universe and that whole storyline played out still you know what would he do um on uh titan uh in in, or would he have fallen in love with gamora would there be um a difference even in that and how it played out because you have T'Challa rather than uh, Peter Quill but nonetheless we will never know yeah, without a doubt like we see here that he has got some kind of relationship with Nebula um, there is the the little uh, joke of her calling him Cha-Cha so there's definitely a closeness between the two of them um, but you know Peter Quill does get the blame for um, for attacking Thanos on Titan that is the the issue isn't it that uh, Peter Quill jumps in when they just about have him beaten so uh, I don't think T'Challa would have made those decisions and got himself to that point which is what this episode is really saying uh, for the most part really Peter Quill is basing his Star Lord on Han Solo isn't he he's basing his, him on the knowledge of Star Wars that he wants to be Han Solo in space because he can go out and uh, yeah, bet ba- the beautiful yeah, aliens true. and all that kind of stuff but he's a very different character than someone that's brought up in the royal family like T'Challa is so that is true yeah. that is yeah. true excellent stuff thanks Michael uh, Jeff Child says it is amazing how many of the original actors returned to voice their characters I counted 50 15 individual actors. Do the presence of Cap's shield, Thor's hammer, and Hela's hat in the collection mean they are dead in this universe? That's an interesting question, Jeff. I do think that it does. I think that he's basically depowered everybody he possibly can so he can take all of their items and use them himself. Or they're in one of the display cases. Oh, potentially, yes. Yeah, yeah. we could have uh, Steve Rogers could be over in a display case or Thor could be over in a display case. I do wonder, since you're only supposed to be able to use Thor's hammer if you're worthy, how would the collector even be able to lift that? Surely that would weigh down the entire cabinet that it's in. <laughs> but it's to view. It is yep. a collection. Yes. But how did they get it in there? Mm-hmm. Or did Thor have to place it under duress before being locked up yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe they just changed the engraving in this universe uh, only the unworthy can lift this hammer. <laughs> it, it, it obviously must be a highly crafted fake <laughs> it could be it could be thanks jeff yeah thanks so much jeff and um, ray on facebook says i really enjoyed this though i have to admit i'm less interested in the ravagers and the collector mm-hmm. But hearing Chadwick was very special indeed, and for his final role as T'Challa, he nailed it. Despite my indifference to the Ravagers, this episode was highly entertaining, and I loved the fact Thanos was on the good side for once. Howard the Duck, another highlight, and the ensemble of acting talent on offer, just phenomenal. I'm a huge fan of What If... So far, if they keep producing episodes like this, then they'll no doubt prove to be one of the strongest TV shows for Marvel to date. Mm -hmm. And thanks so much, Ray, uh, for that. Yeah, I would agree. You know, the Ravagers, I like them in the movies. I like them in in this, but I I don't really um, go out of my way to kind of pick up, you know, the comics that the Ravagers or the Collector would have been in. If if they happen to be in one comic um, that I'm reading, right. so be it. But I do like them in the movies, and I, I like them uh, in this. I, I guess there's a, a comic relief to them here. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right, I think, you know, Chadwick uh, Boseman here um, was just sublime uh, at 
bringing in uh, his voice to um, this version of T'Challa as yeah. the Star Lord. Uh, it was really, really good to see. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Howard the Duck. Who would have thought? Um, there must be multiple Howard the Duck uh, enthusiasts. There's a lot here. of people that like Howard the Duck, John. I said it to you last week. I when know. You were, when you were talking about it in the episode and being very negative about Howard, I said you were going to get some messages. Well, that's it. And you know, to think, I my my favorite duck was Crispy. <laughs> that's what you said last week so uh yes apologize to the Howard the Duck fans. yes i apologize um, to all Howard the duck fans yeah um, i i'm going to take up the suggestion and the recommendation there uh from 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 feedback there so you go. um yeah, yeah uh, i will be on board soon there no doubt read some Howard the duck while we're yeah. on holidays next week John. thanks so much ray yeah thanks ray um i've said before i'm much more a fan of the of the earthbound heroes that's that's much more what where i am the fan in comics so i agree with you ray ravagers and collector and guardians of the galaxy all that stuff never uh, right at the centre of my fandom with, with Marvel so I understand but this episode was so much fun uh, both you and Jeff mentioned the amount of cast that have returned for this episode we we said that we didn't actually have the list of cast because uh, we had no credits uh, coming up last week but you're totally right when we were watching the episode yesterday that opening scene where they're listing off all the individual members of cast that came back for this episode it is one of those really exciting things to see uh, where you're going oh wow that person came back and that person came back and that Oscar winning actor came back and that nominated actor came yeah, back and great it's stuff fantastic really really good uh thanks so much ray uh final facebook feedback comes from jamie lawton with a great catch for the episode he says i love that t'challa's ship is named mandela homage to nelson mandela while peter quills is milano after 80s teen actress Alyssa milano a little subtle nod to how different these two guys are absolutely yeah, very very true Jamie yeah uh, great spot great catch I didn't even yeah. notice that in the episode um, that's a really good catch uh, one thing to say here if in case we haven't said it enough um, it is great to have Chadwick Boseman back for this episode but there are three more performances of Chadwick Boseman uh, coming up in the series the uh, the showrunner has confirmed uh, he recorded multiple different versions of the character of T'Challa that we'll see over the course of the season uh, in different ways so we, this is not the last time we'll hear the voice of Chadwick which is awesome to know yeah great stuff great stuff uh, finally, uh, we have uh, a voicemail from Steve Brown to close out our feedback section. Take it away, Steve. Hey, guys, it's Steve, and this is for What If T'Challa Became a Star-Lord. I guess I, I never thought of it as a Star-Lord. Wouldn't it be the Star-Lord? Are there bunches of Star-Lords? I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, it was really, really good, and I definitely enjoyed it more than... I hate to say, as much as I liked the first episode, I, I enjoyed this one more because there's so, so much to talk about in this one. I can't wait to hear you guys break it down and uh, or listen to you guys as you break it down because, man, there was a lot in this one. Absolutely loved the character of Thanos and how different he was uh, in this. I absolutely loved uh, Rooker uh, doing the voice of Yondu was just wonderful to hear again. And uh, so, yeah, just a really, really great second episode. And can't wait to hear you guys talk about it and talk about it myself. All right. Talk to you later. 
Thanks, Dave. Really good to hear from you. Yeah, you, you seem to have enjoyed this episode a lot, uh, much like we did. Uh, it was a fun, a fun episode. We know the first episode was setting up the show for people who don't understand the concept or just getting them introduced to What If. There were some great bits about it, of course. Big fan of Peggy Carter, big fan of Captain America. So, uh, so having that story play out there was totally necessary as the first episode. But this episode, so much more fun uh, for people that, that now know the concept, I suppose, uh, and see how everything can play out in the world uh, with with this version of. Uh, of what if what if T'Challa's over in space rather than being on Earth? That's got a cool concept. So uh, glad you enjoyed it, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, I'm there with you. I just felt this second episode; it felt more epic, more stuff had changed. Mm-hmm. I think we had a bit of that from the feedback um, compared to episode one. So yeah, so far really, um, really enjoyed um, episode two, like yourself. And again, you know, you mentioned about Thanos, and I'm just wondering whether they've hit on um, uh, or touched on something here that maybe can be expanded a bit more. You know, the um, the good guy Thanos, who still has, you know, uh, notions of Captain Genocide and efficiency <laughs> being involved. But uh, yeah, it was great. He was the good guy, John. Well, that is true, yeah. but it, it is a great twist of the concept of Thanos so um, I think they may have touched on something there yeah. uh, but again thanks so much Steve uh, for your voicemail it's great Absolutely. stuff thanks everybody for your feedback for this episode as you mentioned we're off on holidays at the moment when we come back with episode 4 we'll have your feedback for episode 3 and 4 hopefully uh, in the next episode yeah thanks so much everyone for the feedback mm-hmm. good stuff and keep it coming in uh, for the remaining episodes for this season right let's go forward kind of backwards sort of in time uh, for Chris and us to say goodbye but there we have it ladies and gentlemen we are at the end of our episode you know what that means it is time for us to say goodbye do not cry because we'll be back next week Mm -hmm. with episode four of what if slightly later than usual yeah absolutely as you're hearing this episode myself and john are currently on holidays at the moment Uh, we are hopefully enjoying ourselves uh, in the uk for a couple of weeks and we'll be back um after the episode airs, after episode four airs, and then we'll be recording uh, at the weekend. So we'll be able to catch up on all of your feedback, which hopefully you've been sending in to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and put out our thoughts for the next episode of the show. Yes. Extremely looking forward. Don't forget, you can also head on over to Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash tvpodcastindustries where we have a spoiler post for each and every episode where you can leave your thoughts and we'll pull some feedback from there as mm-hmm. well. If you like what you hear and you want to support us and keep the engines running, the hamsters running, the actual, I should say at this point, the little ant men, the, the Hank Pims running in their yellow jackets in the wheels that keep our data servers going and keep the podcaster engine going, you can head on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries where you can support us for a Marvel dollar, not a DC dollar, a Marvel dollar. Yes, or you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI where you can buy our lust editor-in-chief extraordinary producer and everything else you want to call him Derek just so you can buy him a coffee that's just that simple it keeps him going it keeps him toiling away I'll take a DC dollar don't you worry thanks yes. so much for all your support we'll be back with you next week with What If Episode 4 bye 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 fellow defenders thanks for joining us and remember keep watching keep listening and keep inquiring like Hetty Wainthrop bye bye bye, bye.